Welcome to the Resonate Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Jacob. So we're in a two-week mini-series again, and then we've got a couple of guest preachers. And uh, and I want to focus, we talked about our mission as a church is to gather, grow, and go. And I want to talk for the next two weeks around this, how we gather. So this, if you're writing notes, uh, this is called, um, this is how we gather. And I was... I was going to separate it into two weeks, how we gather as Christians in week one and how we gather with those that aren't yet Christians in week two. But what I want to do is I, uh, as I was going through this, I felt God really speak to me around, do you know what, unless we get gathering in our heart, there's no point in, in talking about the how. And as I was reading, the, there's the the verse that we all know quite well in Hebrews 10 verse 25, which says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as the day approaches. Now that's kind of the uh, the cover um, um, verse for the two-week series, but you can open your Bibles because in a minute we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 17 right through to 3.13. And from it, what we're going to see is some people who were um, leaders in the early church, and we see that they got it. They had this heart for this is how we gather, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. And I believe that we as a church need to get it, that we don't just gather so, uh, we don't just gather so that it looks good. We don't just gather um, for ourselves. We gather because we're part of something greater than it is ourselves. We gather to encourage and strengthen one another And so I've titled this message, Standing Together. But if you take out the E out of together and make it standing together, I think it's got a great um, meaning for us. The verse in Hebrews 10 verse 25 tells us three things quickly. Number one, that we need to meet together. We need to gather together. Number two, for encouragement for something greater than the now. It's not just about how we are and how we feel today. It's also about beyond that. And number three, it tells us that some are not in the habit of meeting together. And we'll open that up stronger next week. But let's look at 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 17 and we'll read to the end of that chapter and then the first 13 verses of the next chapter. It's titled, Paul Longing to See the Thessalonians. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we want to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted and it turned out that way, as you all know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. 
I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let me pray. Father God, we just thank you for this example where we see Paul and the other leaders just long to gather with the Thessalonians and the Thessalonians longing to gather with the early church leaders. Lord, give us that spirit in our heart that we long together, not just with those within our walls but with others so that you are glorified, so that we are all strengthened, so that we can stand together. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you know, every few months I get itchy feet, right? And I look at holidays online, overseas holidays. See, we had this thing a couple years ago we said, because we worked pretty hard to renovate our previous house and then we moved over here just to live in a shed and build another house. And it's like when this is basically done, we're just going to reward ourselves and we're going to find a, a nice beach probably somewhere over in Fiji or similar and just sit on a beach for six or seven days without a phone, without worries or thoughts of work. With all due respect, not much thought about our church family and friends who we do love. But just just have just an absolute um, break from everything that's our current norm and just sit on a beach and just enjoy that. And then the, the side um, product um, is for our kids. They get to experience another culture and just see um, another part of the world. And so I, I wanted to do it this December, our 10-year wedding anniversary. But uh, when you look at the price tags, I think it's something that we might just have to budget for next year. But as I was looking through various um, places, uh, there was an ad and it, it talked about the South Island of Fiji and it got me thinking about a holiday that Kezia and I went on. And so Kezia and I, before we had kids, um, went on a holiday to Fiji and we did a travelling trip around the South Islands of New Zealand. Now, if you ever want to do something that's incredible, the scenery, the the food, the adventure stuff, um, go for a holiday there. You will not be disappointed and I'm not getting paid to uh, promote New Zealand South Islands. But it was awesome. You know, and if you ask us what was our favourite part about that holiday, Kezia might say the food or the, the exploration on the glacier. We actually got to put on special glacier hiking boots and uh, go out and actually walk on the glacier and look in all the cave. It was, it was fantastic. Or Kez might say the two days that we spent skiing at Coronation Peak and at the Remarkables. Or the quality time she got with the ruggedly handsome travel companion. <laughs> but when I'm asked what, 
When I'm asked what I enjoyed most about the holiday, I usually mention the earthquake. We were in South African restaurants in Queenstown, New Zealand called Flame. And again, I highly recommend if you're going to eat, if you're in Queenstown, go there. I'm eating my usual chicken meal because usually I look at a menu and there's all these amazing things and then I either order the chicken or the fish. That's what I do. Whereas Kezi is more uh, uh, explorative with food. She'll uh, try the most crazy things. But this time she saw the spare ribs and... uh, and I feel like they must have welded three pigs together because the size of the rack of spare ribs that she got was near on a metre. It was like hanging over each end of the table and as she's tucking into the spare ribs and I'm nearly finished my chicken meal, she's a quarter of the way through the ribs, the table starts to shake. Naturally, Kezia kicks me and tells me to stop being a goof, a clown. I love that when something goes wrong, the first thing is it's Jacob's fault. But then as she realises that the glasses are shaking on other tables and the, the bottles behind the uh, little bar behind the servery part of the restaurant was also shaking because he realised, oh, hang on, I think we're in an earthquake. And we started looking around and for whatever reason I was quite calm because I felt like we are at the top story of a modern two-storey building and if it was going to collapse, at least we'd fall on the people on the first floor, not vice versa. Later we found out that we're in the middle of a three-storey building but... That's beside the point. But as you look around and look at the reactions on different people's faces, it's quite interesting to see how each person reacts. Some people are just trying to hold their glass from sliding off the table. Um, Some people um, are just not sure what's going on. They haven't actually clicked to the fact that we're in an earthquake. There was one waitress who I imagine was quite young because New Zealand's known for... uh, and I imagine that's part of their training. But she's like, do we evacuate? She's saying to her manager, "Do do we get everyone out of here? Do we quit? And she didn't know what to do. It was only about 30 or 40 seconds of quite an intense rumble and then it stopped. It was my favourite part of the whole holiday, watching how everyone reacted to the same situation. What's interesting is when there's an earthquake, some buildings break a little, some crumble and some fall, yet others still stand firm. They're all hit by identical tremors but the results are totally different. See, some have been built to last the test of time. And in our faith life, we often hear it said or we often say ourselves, stand firm. And it is good for us to do that because we have to make sure that when the inevitable tremors of this life come our way, that our faith does not break, that our faith does not crumble and does not fall and that it should stand firm through all the various shakes that this life will give us. We need to build faith that lasts the test of time. And that's why we need to gather together to encourage one another, to strengthen one another so that we build and grow a faith that helps us stand firm tomorrow, today, and for the rest of time, regardless of how shaky each moment could be. Because the truth is our faith, has a greater ambition. Our faith has a greater ambition than what we find ourselves in today. Many of us come to faith because we have like this current pressing problem and are at the end of our own solutions and then someone tells us that God can make a way in that situation and so many people then hear that God can fix it and then they pursue it and most often what happens is they find that 
the grace of God deals with the problem, the now, but Jesus also deals with what's gone wrong prior to cause that problem. And then he teaches forgiveness and a path forwards. And we learn that there's a future in faith. And then it goes far beyond help in the current circumstances because our faith has a greater purpose. Our faith has a greater ambition. And Paul mentions this in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 13 when he reminds the Thessalonians of the day of the Lord Jesus will come again. See, our faith not only deals with the problems of now, not only deals with the problems of the past, not only deals with the problems of tomorrow, but it deals with the reality of the returning Christ. And it builds us towards that day of great victory when our Lord and Saviour Jesus will come again. So we need to understand our faith has a greater ambition than the circumstances of now. And in this passage, we read that our super apostle Paul, my favourite character in the Bible outside of Jesus, is particularly concerned with the Thessalonians. They're a very young group of believers, obviously without too much solid leadership there. And they're under a huge amount of persecution, as are the leaders of the day. And so he sends Timothy to them. See, we see that Paul personally can't go and gather with them at this time. He has in the past and he plans to in the future, but right now he can't. He's blocked. But so what does he do? Does he go, well, too bad we can't gather? No, he sends Timothy to gather with them, to strengthen them, to encourage them in faith and to find out how they're doing. Why? Because he wants to make sure that they are continuing being faithful to the Lord Jesus because faith isn't just about now. It's also about tomorrow and well into the future. It's to finish the race well, to not grow tired or weary, to continue to build so that when our time on this earth is done, that we can look back and know that we stood firm through anything and everything that this life threw at us and what tried to shake us. And it's so important when we see people shaky, crumbling, cracking because of the tremors of this life that we encourage them, that we gather around them, that we strengthen them so they can continue to stand firm. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a story of the sower who went out to sow with a whole bunch of good seed and he threw the good seed and we all know the story and it all fell on different grounds. Some seed fell on the pathway and the birds ate it. Some fell on stony grounds, but there was no depth in the soil and so it didn't last. Other seed fell among thorns and it did okay for a little bit, but then it got bullied. It got beat up, it got choked out, it tapped out. And other seed fell on good ground. And that seed, the Bible tells us, was highly productive. Jesus is saying that a whole lot of seed of the Word of God is sown into people's lives, but it doesn't come to anything. Sometimes in this world it's easily snatched away by other considerations. Other times it's just a shallow response. Some people seem to respond, but as soon as there's any opposition, as soon as there's something that shakes them, they cave under that. But there is those, as the parable says, that stand firm, that take root, that continue to the ends. And this is the kind of faith that Scripture tells us is a good, genuine faith. And it's a faith that is prepared not just for now, but for a greater ambition. And that is why we need to encourage people 
to stand firm. Because our faith is a growing, a maturing, a progressive thing. Faith should not just simply stand firm, but it should grow and mature and bear fruit. And that bearing fruit is that our faith becomes so strong that we don't just stand, we help others stand. We encourage others, we strengthen others. See, Paul sent Timothy to them in order to strengthen them in their faith. And so it's together, not alone. When the tremors of life come, that we can be strong in the faith. And the truth is at some point of time, all of us will need a little encouragement to stand. The truth is at some time, something will come along and it will shake us and it might crack us just a little bit. And that's where we need others to strengthen us up again, to encourage us to keep standing. One of the greatest and most loving things that we can all be involved in is gathering with, supporting those whose faith is under pressure. Sometimes it's going to be me. Sometimes it's going to be you. Sometimes it's going to be others who don't yet truly even understand or know faith. The earthquakes of this life don't miss anyone. So it's important to encourage people to stand firm. It's important to strengthen people before that earthquake comes. And so if it's important to encourage people to stand firm, we can assume that is because there are things in this life that would discourage us from standing firm. There are tremors. One tremor to faith is seen in this passage in Thessalonians is the activity of Satan. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 18. And a lot of people don't like us preaching about Satan, but we will preach about everything that the Bible talks about. A lot of people don't believe in Satan, and that's fine by Satan. He actually likes that. I also know there's the opposite end of that, where some people are totally obsessed by Satan, and they see him under every rock, under every chair, in every situation, and behind every beard. They can identify Satan all over the place. C.S. Lewis says, you know, if you want to preach a good sermon, just do one C.S. Lewis quote and everyone will just give you credibility. C.S. Lewis says that Satan doesn't mind whether we totally ignore him or are totally obsessed by him. Either way is fine by him because either way opens it up for him to do exactly what he wants to do. See, those that are totally obsessed by Satan... You know, quite frankly, they're paralysed, they're paranoid, they see him lurking everywhere. And so what happens is they miss out on what they're meant to be doing because their focus is not no longer on Jesus and what Jesus wants them to do. They're just worried about where's Satan, what's he doing today? And they miss it. And on the other hand, those who are totally ignorant of Satan, those who simply ignore him, don't even believe he exists, they just totally suck it in because they don't understand what the Bible tells us to be aware of his schemes. Either way, Satan can do his work. And Satan's main plan is to put obstacles in the path of the people of God to prevent the will of God from being accomplished in and through them. And church, please be balanced in this area. Because Paul says that Satan is a very powerful force. So powerful from this passage, we see that he was able to stop Apostle Paul from doing what he wanted to do. Because Paul says that he longs to get there. He wanted to get there. But if you read it, it says, and then it blew my mind that Satan stopped him from going there. And we don't know the full ins and outs of what that was or how that is. But the other hand of that 
is we need to recognise the Bible teaches that God is the sovereign Lord, that God is omnipotent and that Satan is not all-powerful. So Satan is powerful, but he is not all-powerful. And Satan is knowing, but he is not all-knowing. And Satan is a very real presence, but he is not omnipresent. He's not in the same league as our Lord and Saviour Jesus. And Jesus gives us his power and Jesus gives us his authority. So we're aware, but we don't care. And if that all sounds confusing, wait till you go on and read Acts chapter 16 because Luke gives the account of Paul and his friends trying to go into different areas of ministry. Ministry. They were in Asia and wanted to go to Mesha and Bithynia and all kinds of places, but they were hindered from going there. Surprisingly, Luke doesn't credit that to Satan. He says the Holy Spirit <laughs> stopped them from going. Doesn't that mess up your thinking? <laughs> In our spiritual journey, we will run into all kinds of roadblocks, all kinds of tremors that become very difficult for us. And if we're not careful, our faith could break, our faith could crumble and our faith could fall. So we need to gather together for encouragement through these moments, for wisdom to decipher who is roadblocking us, what is stopping us and growing through these seasons. And that is why it is important that we stand firm, are strengthened, and that we are gathered together, encouraging each and every one of us to stand firm despite the things that shake us. Another thing to notice about Satan's activity from this passage is his tempting activity. One of Paul's major concerns about sending Timothy to um, the Thessalonians is that it says that he was worried that they were tempted by the tempter. So the truth is, and we, you know, if we're honest, we, we've all experienced it in our lives, that Satan puts some very tempting opportunities in front of us. And the truth is if we go through with them, it can distract us from what we're meant to be doing. And it can weaken our faith and it can result in a whole further range of earthquakes that we have set up. And that can affect how we stand. Yet we need to understand that every temptation is an opportunity to overcome. And every time we overcome a temptation, we're just building our faith. We're building strength. And we're not just building strength through ourselves. We're building strength for those who are watching us overcome them temptations. The Apostle Paul says that he sent Timothy to gather together with the young believers to strengthen and encourage them in the faith so that none would be unsettled by their trials. And they were having a rough time. Paul gets it. He understands their physical danger. He gets it. He understands their psychological stress, their personal anxiety. He's understanding that they're young believers without adequate leadership, so he also wants to make sure that even with everything that's stacked against them, that's putting pressure on their faith, that they will stand firm, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for years and years to come. And so he sends Timothy to encourage them, to gather with them so that they know that they're not alone, so they know they have support, so they know they have teaching and encouragement. It talks about that he was saying, I long to be with you to give you what is lacking. And so he sends Timothy to strengthen them in the areas that they probably weren't able to strengthen themselves. So how's Timothy going to do that? He does it by simply pointing out to them that there's nothing unusual in Christian suffering. Paul says that when it happens, don't be surprised. 
Don't be like, oh, that's strange that I'm getting persecuted. Oh, that's strange that sickness would come on me. Why would that happen? Oh, that's strange that people don't like me when I share my faith. Right from the very beginning, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to carry your cross. The very first thing Ananias told Paul was what great things he would suffer. We have to recognise that there will be all kinds of suffering. Why? One reason is we follow a crucified Saviour who, according to the book of Hebrews, learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And the big question, why does God allow his people to suffer? They usually say, I'm so glad you asked. This one I say, I wish you didn't ask. Hebrews 12 verse 6 says, because whom the Father loves, he disciplines. And secondly, you know, in the times of stress, in the times where we're just laid bare as weak, we learn and discover what it means to allow Christ to be our strength. In Christ, we learn to stand firm. And in Christ, we learn to encourage each other because we can't do it simply on our own. So how do we stand firm in our faith? We stand firm by knowing that we are not alone. We stand firm in our faith by knowing that others who gather together with us are praying for us. We stand firm in our faith by knowing that how we stand affects others. See, if you collapse, then others might collapse. If you stand firm, others might stand firm. We stand firm by knowing that people have our back. We stand firm by knowing that one day we'll be out of this place and in his presence, just like Marge. We stand firm by knowing that God is working in our lives and through our lives. And we stand firm knowing that our faith has greater ambition than just now. And we learn to know these things by gathering together because as we gather we are encouraged and we encourage. The music team want to come up, I'm almost done. See, Paul knew the Thessalonians were struggling, so he sent a leader to gather with them because he could not meet with them himself. And what that shows us is that we're better together, that we need other people to help us stand. So don't give up meeting together. It will help us stand firm. Let me pray. And we'll hand over to the music team. Do you want to do your new song, Kez? That would be awesome. Father God, thank you for every single person here. Thank you that we are a family united in you. Thank you that as we meet together, we encourage each other, that we strengthen each other so that together we can stand and we will not be shaken by anything that tries to knock us down, that we would stand and we would be pillars of hope and strength to those around us. Lord, thank you that we can gather together so freely and openly. Help us to remember that our faith is not just for now and the moment, but it is for a greater ambition, is for so much more. Lord, help us to be people who gather to encourage. Help us be people who gather to strengthen one another, to teach one another. Help us be people who gather to pray for one another. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 
thank you for listening to the Resonate podcast. Jesus, my love, my God.